today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God is saying to us, please don't be afraid because I'm with you. You're not alone. You have nothing to fear. And don't be dismayed or discouraged or given over to despair. You want to know why? Because I am your God. I will strengthen you. I know we talked about this last week. Yes, I know you're weary of little strength, as he would say to the Church of Philadelphia, but I will strengthen you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Sometimes we let our worldly concerns take our attention away from God's strength. But in today's message, Pastor J.D. challenges us to remember that comparing God to our little problems is almost insulting. No problem is too big or too little for God, so why should we wait to ask Him for guidance? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 41 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. This is another very encouraging chapter that's before us tonight here in Isaiah. The Lord declares that He will help us. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Why? Because I will. And by the way, as we go through the study tonight, you're not going to be tested on this, but count how many times God declares, I will. I will. Now, the emphasis is on I will. Not I will. No, I will. They won't. They can't. I can. I will. Let me, um, uh, let me just bear with me here. Throughout the Old Testament, replete throughout the Old Testament, God commands Moses to have Aaron say to the people, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt. Now, replete throughout Scripture, it's I am the Lord your God. The emphasis is on, I am the Lord your God. Now, why would God have to declare and even emphasize that it's Him? Because when they, in the Exodus and in the wandering in the wilderness, and when Moses was on Mount Sinai getting the law, the tablets, the commandments, and taking what apparently was too long of a time for them, they thought he wasn't coming back. So they go to Aaron. Keep in mind, Aaron is Moses' older brother. And so they say to Aaron, he says, "Um, yo, bro, (laughs) where's Mo? (laughs) And uh, where is he? He's not here, and he's not coming back, and he sure has been gone a long time. And So what are we going to do? And we kind of need a God. And so they put a lot of pressure on him and convinced him to take all of the gold and make for them a God to worship. 
And so what does he do? He caves, he acquiesces to them. He takes the gold, he puts it into the fire, and he makes this golden cap. Where do you think they got that idea from? Egypt. One has aptly said that when God got Israel out of Egypt, he had to get the Egypt out of Israel too. So he makes this golden calf, and you wouldn't believe it unless you knew that it was written in Scripture in the pages of Holy Writ, but Aaron declares to them, this is the God, the calf that delivered you out of Egypt. No! So now, here comes Mo! (laughs) And, And I mean, well you know the account. You know, it's like God is declaring, and we're going to see it tonight here in Isaiah, I will help you. I, the emphasis is on I will, I. I am the Lord your God. I will uphold you. I will strengthen you. God is declaring this through the prophet Isaiah. And I think maybe some of us need to be reminded of this tonight. The Lord is saying to us, I, I will do this. I will help you. They're not going to help you. We're going to see this with the other false gods that are going to be called into the courtroom of eternity, as it were. And they're going to be given an opportunity to plead their case. Well, they don't have anything to say because, oh yeah, uh, false gods can't speak. That's the problem. So they don't. They have nothing to say. And so God says, well, I I will say this. And that's what we're going to see tonight. Um, No less than three times in this chapter, actually, God, through the prophet Isaiah, says He will help us, and we are not to fear. And it's important to understand that at this time, in this period in Judah's history, they desperately needed this assurance from the Lord in that day, and I would suggest that even more so in our day, we need this assurance that the Lord will help us. So let's jump in. You ready? Verse 1. Keep silence before me, O coastlands. Now, The coastlands is a reference to the distant lands. All of you come now, and but be silent. Keep silent. You have the right to remain silent. You might want to exercise that right. And let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Then let them speak. Let us come near together for judgment. Here, God is calling them together to argue their case for the worshiping of other gods. And he's saying, silence in the courtroom, because he's about to make his opening arguments. And we see that starting in verse 2. 
Who raised up one from the east? Who in righteousness called him to his feet? Who gave the nations before him and made him ruler over kings? Who gave them as the dust to his sword, as driven stubble to his bow? Who pursued them, verse 3, and passed safely by the way that he had not gone with his feet? Who has performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, I am he. Well, that's a pretty... Case closed as far as I'm concerned right there. Now, there is some debate as to who it is that God is speaking of here. Some believe it's Abraham. Others believe it's King Cyrus, yet future. We're going to see that later on. Yet others suggest that it's none other than Jesus Christ that he's speaking of here as this righteous one. And regardless, God is proving his case because he's asking the question that only he can answer. I'm the one who did all of this, not you. I am. I did this. I did this. Verse 5, the coastlands saw it and fear. The ends of the earth were afraid. They drew near and came. Everyone, verse 6, helped his neighbor and said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the craftsman encouraged the goldsmith. He who smooths with the hammer inspired him who strikes the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. (laughs) Then he fastened it with pegs that it might not totter. What? Okay, this is their response. This is the response of the defense to the opening argument. What's their response? Oh, fear, rightfully so. But that's where it ends, because even though the ends of the earth were afraid, they drew near together and tried to encourage one another. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, that was a strong opening argument. I mean, that's pretty strong evidence, and it's actually fact and true. But, hey, let's just, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, Let's get the goldsmith over here. Let's get the guys who do the soldering, and let's get our gods soldered together. And let's fasten them, secure them with pegs, because we don't want them falling down, you know, after all, and tottering. We talked about this last week. You know you're in trouble when you have to make your God instead of worshiping the God who made you. That's what's happening here. Instead of their fear turning them to God, it turns them instead to their 
man-made gods. Unless we be too harsh on them, I think we would all do well to consider how we're just as prone in our day to do the same thing. Isn't it true? And I just hear me out on this. I'm just as guilty as the next guy when it comes to this. But sometimes turning to the Lord is the last resort instead of the first response. Adversity strikes, something happens. And instead of turning to the Lord, we call up so-and-so, and we tell them about it. What, they can help you? They got problems of their own. They can't help you. The Lord will help you. Why don't you go to Him? Why is it, and what is it about us, innate within our sin nature, that Adamic nature within us, that still believes that, oh, if we could just get our guy in position, you know what I'm saying, then it's, it's going to be good. He'll, he'll help our cause. Oh, really? Oh, if we could just, it, if, if just so-and-so, if I could just, they'll help. No, they won't. I just imagine, you know when when we read how God is a jealous God, not of us, for us. You know what that means, right? God is so ferociously in love with us that He's jealous for us, and He, he stands on standby at the ready, waiting for us to come to Him, and He watches us in that jealousy for us as we go to all of these other gods. And again, lest you get too harsh on them then, <laughs> we do this now. Well, we, we don't call them that, but boy, we sure uh, take care of those things, don't we? We wash them, get them detailed. I'm going to leave that one right there. No, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, as I've watched all of this that's happening play out, it has really struck me how it is that everything that man would turn to is no longer there to turn to anymore. And it's almost had this much needed effect of getting people, especially God's people, to turn to Him because of it. And that's a good thing, by the way. Verse 8, But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you, verse 9, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Oh, this is interesting. Notice this stark contrast between those with man-made gods and Israel slash Jacob who is chosen by God. In other words, man chose these gods, made these gods in their image, and God is saying, no, I, I chose you and made you in my image. 
And there's something else here too, um, not so easily seen at first read, but there's this delineation between Israel and Jacob. Now you understand that Yahob, Jacob, had his name changed to Israel, and would have twelve sons that would become the twelve tribes of Israel. So it's used interchangeably throughout the Old Testament. Sometimes you'll hear God refer to Israel as Jacob, and other times you'll have him refer to Jacob as Israel. Now, why is that important? Because you have to understand what the names mean. The name is the nature. Yahob or Jacob is and <laughs> means heel snatcher. Because you remember when he was born, he tried to grab Esau's heel in the womb to be the firstborn. It also carries with it the idea of being, I hope, no, is anybody named Jacob here tonight? We love you. We want you to know we love you. You're not a conniving heel snatching brother in Christ. Yeah. So, but Yahob or Jacob meant conniver, schemer, heel snatcher. And you remember when Yahob wrestled with the Lord, that was the Lord, pre-Bethlehem appearance, or Christophany, an appearance of Jesus Christ. That's who he was wrestling with, the Lord. All night long, this, that, you want to talk about strong will. Jacob was a very strong-willed man. And he demands that God bless him. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the Lord says, you know, I want to bless you, but I can't bless you until I first break you. Break that strong, stubborn, obstinate. I know I'm not speaking of any of you here tonight. This is all theoretical. But I mean that, that strong, i got to break that before I can bless you. You will never find in Scripture the blessing preceding the breaking. The bre now, once he touches that hip socket and breaks him, now I can bless you. And then it's at that time when he says to Jacob, you are no longer Jacob, con man, conniving, scheming, heel snatcher. Your name now will be Israel. Oh, you know what Israel means? Governed by God. I'll take that. <laughs> I like that way more better than scheming, conniving, heel snatcher. Governed by God, ruled by God, because see, you've been broken by God. To be broken is to break our will to His. You know what's interesting about that? It changed his walk literally and figuratively for the rest of his life. There was always that brokenness, and the brokenness is the catalyst for the blessing. I want to bless you, Jacob, but i got to break you first. Oh, 
I tell you, you know, in our lives we devalue broken things, right? We throw them away. But God values brokenness. And you can look throughout Scripture and find time after time where the blessing would always come subsequent to the brokenness. You know, in my walk with the Lord there have been so many times where I wish I would have broke easier and sooner. (laughs) Could have saved myself. Again, I know you know nothing of this. (laughs) I could have saved myself so much unnecessary difficulty fighting in my own strength, wrestling with the Lord, and no, my way, my will, I will, I will, I, I, I will. <laughs> so the Lord saying, no, you won't, I will. And I'm going to prove it right now. Watch me now. <laughs> That's what God is saying here. Verse 10. Uh, I want to read the verse, follow along as I do. I want to make a couple of comments on this. I know God has used verse 10 in my life in a powerful way. It's a go-to for me, because it covers everything. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, man. You know, in your own time in God's Word, I would encourage you to just meditate on just this one verse. There's so much here. God is saying to us, please don't be afraid because I'm with you. You're not alone. You have nothing to fear. And don't be dismayed or discouraged or given over to despair. You want to know why? Because I am your God. I will strengthen you. I know we talked about this last week. Yes, I know you're weary of little strength, as he would say to the church of Philadelphia, but I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I need help, Lord. Well, I will help you. (laughs) And then this one, and I can't help but notice the irony in this, because he says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again, this is another anthropomorphism where it's a use of a, a human term to describe God. So it's the hand of God my righteous right hand. In that culture and in Scripture, the right hand, you know, we, we, we take the saying out of Scripture, they're my right hand man. The right hand is the strong hand. My right hand man. In fact, Benjamin in Hebrew, it's similar in Arabic, my native tongue, Ben is son, Yamin is right, son of my right hand. That's what the name Benjamin, anybody named Benjamin? We're better if it's, if it's Benjamin and not Yahob. But Benjamin means son of my right hand, my right hand man, son of my strength. 
And so what God is saying is, I'm going to take my righteous right hand, and I'm going to keep you up. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. Morning.